seat, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm chapter 90. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 90, starting in verse 1. We're actually going to read the entire psalm, and we're going to start a new series today. Um, and I, I, want to, I want to encourage you with this, and I, I think this is one of those things. We've had a number of situations and circumstances arise over the last, really the last couple of weeks. And this verse has been on my heart since my dad passed away uh, last January. Matter of fact, a, a year ago already. I couldn't believe how fast uh, time flew by in a year, uh, just to think about that. Um, but I also got some news on, uh, on uh, Friday, or really Thursday uh, morning this week, uh, about Jason Wells. And for those of you who don't know, Jason was a young man uh, who was here at our church for uh, almost three years um, and uh, struggled with alcohol and drugs and addiction, was in and out of, of uh, rehab facilities and things like that and moved back to New York. Um, and his godfather contacted me the other day and he passed away. Uh, we're waiting on toxicology reports. He'd been uh, in and out of rehab facilities there. He was 32 years old. Um, and we had an impact on him. And as much as you may have, uh, have dealt with the struggles and difficulties that Jason had, he had a special place in a lot of our hearts. Um, and to see uh, a young man who, who we poured a lot of effort into and he put a lot of work in, but to, to overcome uh, his struggles uh, was, was really a, a struggle for him. But I know he bragged on you. As a matter of fact, I got to talk to him about three weeks ago. Um, he told me to let everybody know he had missed them uh, and wished uh, that he could see people. But I, I want to encourage you with this this week. Um, and we're going to run into this series, and it's called Numbered. All right? And the reason why it's called Numbered is this whole idea that our days are numbered. That I think that a lot of times we take a lot of things for granted. We take the people next to us for granted. We take our job for granted. We take the people who care for us for granted. We take the people who are absent from us for granted. We realize that when somebody is gone, like when I lost my father, how much that I really took for granted what he brought. As a matter of fact, uh, recently I was trying to make a financial decision and my dad was my go-to man. I'd call up my dad, dad, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, ah, you know, and he was very conservative. I'm the guy who at times I want to push the envelope. And then I listen to a conservative uh, mindset when it comes to especially finances. And I'm like, okay, yeah, don't be stupid. Um, you know, don't, don't run into this, this idea. But, you know, those are things that I begin to think about and miss. I want to really challenge you with this. 86,400 seconds. How many seconds we have in a day? 1,440 minutes. 31,536 31, seconds in a year. 525,600 minutes in a year. I myself have been alive over 16,375 days. I've been married 7,150 of those. The average American lifespan is 78.6 years. And as a matter of fact, as I was studying this, they said it's decreased over the last years, the last uh, three years from 78.7 to 78.6. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of statistics to find out. You've decreased by 0.1%. Um, but 78.6 years is the average American lifespan, 28,708.65 days. The average American spends 26.2 years sleeping. That's the equivalent of 9,569.55 days or 
229,669 hours. We spend 3.2 years of our lives eating. Imagine that, 3.2 years eating. Right, no, yeah, Baptists, you got a little bit more. It's more like 3.7 with all that, right? right? We spend 11.5 years total or 4,200 days working, Okay. Think about that, 4,200 days. And in reality, I mean, that's obviously figuring only eight hours a day. If you work more, you work more. We'll spend 8.75 years of our lives watching TV. The average American now spends 90 minutes a day on their phone, up to three hours a day on mobile devices, which equals 1,100 hours a year or 37,230 hours if I'm to figure in in my lifetime, if I figured in the average of three hours, that would be 37,000 hours of my life that I have left if I lived the average American life of 78.6 years. I want you to think about that because I want you to realize how time ticks away. Matter of fact, there's an old song by DC Talk, Time is Ticking Away, Tick, Tick, Ticking Away. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, you're gonna be like, oh yeah. For those of us, you're like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I want you to think about this because Every day is numbered. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles again, turn to Psalm chapter 90, and we're going to read this whole, whole chapter, and we're going to jump in and really uh, dig into it. Listen to what he says in Psalm 90, starting in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust saying, return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death and they are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and we are terrified by your indignation. You have set up our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, all our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Now listen to verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants and satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants and your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. As a matter of fact, as I read this section of scripture and I talk to you about how it really has made a difference on my life with the death of my father last week, verse 12 stood out in a great way, or last, month, last year, verse 12 has stood out in a great way ever since that point in time. As a matter of fact, I have used verse 12 in, 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 in uh, funeral sermons and in, in funerals for years. 
But I want you to think about this as we jump into this whole idea of choosing to make every day count. I want you to begin to think and say, how do I live a life when I understand and know that my days are numbered? And I've brought this up in the past, and I want you to think about this. If you were going to die tomorrow, how would you respond today? How would you react or how would you treat those who are closest to you? What would you say? What would you do? Would you spend time on your phone or would you spend time watching TV or who would you hang out with and what would be the very thing? You know, there's a movie out that I I really loved when we watched it called The Bucket List. And in The Bucket List, you have two men who are dying of terminal diseases and they come together, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, two odd pair, but it's the, one of the, 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 it's a hilarious movie um, that it really is this idea. What would you do if you knew when you were gonna die? How would you live? How would you act? What would you say? Who would you go to to ask for forgiveness or to try and make a relationship right? Do you see the the idea of what takes place is when we lived numbered days, we choose to make every day count when we realize that every day should count. You know, as I looked over and I read those statistics, I was like 3.2 years eating. And again, going to what Chris said, they obviously didn't take Baptist into consideration. Okay. 26.2 years of your life. Think about that. If the average age or the average life expectancy is 78.6 years and the average person spends 26 years sleeping, a third of your life is spent doing what? Sleeping. That's crazy to think about. And to play it into consideration even deeper is to think of how quick our lives go. You know, jokingly, I said this not too long ago, it seemed like just yesterday that I was graduating high school and now all of a sudden here I am, I'm gonna be 45 and my wife and I are gonna be celebrating 20 years of marriage in August and I'm like, where did that come from? My son, who when we moved here was in first grade, is going in to or is finishing his eighth grade year and I'm like, what the heck, we got a driver next year. Put that fear in your heart because y'all, y'all saw him grow up. Yeah, my son's going to be driving next year. Think about that. Not by himself yet, but <laughs> that's, that's going to increase the prayer life of mom and dad, as well as everybody else that's here in the church. But I want you to think about this. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into our lives and learning how do we number our days and how do we make every day count. This week, we're going to talk about just getting that mindset in there. Next week, we're going to be talking about how you have a limited time with your kids and you need to make sure that you lead them. And listen to me, church. One of the things I want to talk about is how we as a church wrap our arms around kids and families. If we want to reach young families, then we got to put our money where our mouth is and start putting money into our kids' ministry and our youth ministry right? Those are the things. If you want to reach the lost people and you want to reach the families and you want to reach those types of people, we have to begin to say, hey, my days are numbered. And if my days are numbered, then I have to respond in a certain way. That I want to make sure that I leave a legacy, not a legacy that says, hey, look at Brian Grout, but a legacy that says, hey, look, look at Jesus, Look at what he wants to do in your life. Look at how that church, that church is being obedient to what Jesus called us to do. And we want to live numbered days. Why? Because we don't know. You and I know for a fact that Jesus is coming back. 
You and I know that we don't know the time and the place when he's coming back. You and I know that we don't know the time and the place or the hour that you and I are gonna die. You and I could be alive when Jesus comes back or you could die on your way out the door or as I watched a video this morning completely floored me, there was a pastor in Africa who was preaching and apparently had a massive uh, uh, high blood pressure. Anybody see this video? High blood pressure and diabetic in the middle of preaching, he sat down on a chair and died. Just watched it this morning. I have no clue why it popped up on my thing. I was like, what? Just up and died. Middle of a sermon. We don't know the day, the time, or the hour, but listen to me. We can live numbered lives that say, it doesn't matter. Whatever the day, whatever the time, whatever the hour, I'm gonna live like each moment is my last. Like in everything I have, I'm gonna give everything I got so that I know that the people around me, that they know that I love them, that I care for them, that Jesus died for them, that I wanna make sure that my days are numbered, that I live with everything I've got out front so that people know that the greatest thing that I could ever offer them is not just my friendship and my love, but is that I could point them to Jesus. Frederick Nietzsche says this, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. In other words, when I understand that I have a why to live, that I live for God, that I live for his purpose, that I can bear almost any how. In other words, how I get through those very things. And Moses here, if you read this book of Psalms, it says a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Moses penned this Psalm at the time when he was preparing to die. And the people of Israel who, were, who had left Exodus were getting ready to enter into the promised land. And if you remember anything, you know that Moses was told, guess what, you ain't going. Now, to me, I'd be like, what the heck? My, uh, like, look what I did. Like, I went in and I, I did what you asked me to do and I was obedient and I led these belligerent, disobedient, ungodly people into the wilderness where they, they continued to rebel against you. And if you remember, it was Moses' anger that led him to strike the rock instead of being obedient to what God had called him to do. And as a result, Moses was not going to lead the people into the promised land, but the new generation was gonna do that. And so Moses pins this, this psalm in Psalm 90 for us to understand. And so what I wanna do is dig in. He is literally praying and asking God to grant them success for their work, for their labor, and for their joy in the sorrows that they face. And so here's my big statement. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Don't waste your life pursuing things that don't last, but rather dwell in and serve the Lord with all of your heart. Our days are numbered. Your days are numbered. My days are numbered. For all I know, I could walk out these doors today. I could be hit in a car accident. Recently, and I don't know if you knew this, recently there was a, a gentleman, Glenn Young, who is an independence detective here at the Independence Police Department, who was Mary's, if you know anybody, Mary, the, the, the lady who used to be our, our administrative assistant, it was her uh, boyfriend's son. And I'll never forget when I got that text. It was Sunday morning, or uh, Monday morning, I believe. I'm trying to remember when it was. And I got the text at like 4 a.m. Hey, Jason 
passed away last night. Not because of police duties, he was off duty. Got in a car accident, not sure what happened. But he died as well as another individual died in this car accident. You don't know the day, the time, the hour. You don't know the events or the circumstances. I think about how blessed we were coming here on a Sunday morning, all thinking about church, and all of a sudden we get hit by a a, a guy who's impaired on drugs, totals our car. Thank goodness the kids weren't in with us. And I remember looking at Sarah and going, at least he hit us from behind. At least we weren't stopped. At least he didn't T-bone us. All of those things begin to go, hey, guess what? Quit living like you're gonna live forever and start living like your days are numbered. Because your days are numbered. Whether we like it or not, your days are numbered. You live with a limited amount of time. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna encourage you with four things. I hope these four things will really encourage you in a great way. Number one, how do I not waste my life? I have to learn to dwell in the Lord. Listen to what he says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Learning to dwell in the Lord. As a matter of fact, to dwell, if I was to say, hey, why don't you come to my house and dwell? What does that mean? It means to sit in, to abide in, or to take refuge because I can take shelter there. I can rest there. See, when the Lord is our dwelling place, he is our refuge and strength. What does that sound like? Lord, you are my refuge and strength. That's Psalms. He is our shelter. He is the one who provides us. When we abide in him, when we dwell in him, he is the one who protects us, who guides us, who directs us, who leads us in those ways. He is our refuge. And so when we walk through the difficulties of life, guess what? I can take refuge in the Lord. Why? Because I know my days are numbered and I know that there are gonna be hard times. There's gonna be work. There's gonna be struggle. As we've been going through this class on Sunday morning, as I continue to think about this over and over and over again, do you realize that every problem we face in our society stems from sin? Everybody's flipping out about this whole Trump thing with the EPA. You realize the earth is failing, right? Anybody know that? I'm not trying to make this a political thing, but to understand everything from a biblical perspective, the Lord said that the earth would fail. Matter of fact, if you read Romans chapter eight, it says that since the beginning of the time, the earth has been groaning as a result of sin. Sin doesn't just affect humanity. Sin affects everything. Sin affects everything that goes on. The earth is failing. You wanna know why the earth is failing? That's why I love when people are like, global warming. Well, guess what? Yep, it's going to globally warm. You know, I know why? Because it's dying. The earth is dying. You and I are dying. Everything is a result of sin. Everything. And we can try and legislate things in, but we can begin to understand that based upon a biblical theology, based upon understanding and having a biblical worldview that the Bible promises us. And so what we have to begin to understand is that I have to learn to dwell in the Lord so that I don't flip out, so that I don't lose my ever-loving mind when things go crazy. Now, let me just clarify, because I know I've seen some recent posts. I'm like, oh my gosh, we are still at this point. Trump... Trump is not a result. Trump is, uh, I believe, wholeheartedly placed there by God, just like every leader would be, whether Democrat or Republican. Please hear me out on that. Okay, I hope you understand that. But I also want to be very clear that that guy does not reflect Jesus in the way he acts. 
That guy does not reflect Christianity in any way, shape, or form whatsoever, even if he attends a pro-life rally. Okay, so I know I'm stepping on toes here, but let's, let's just clarify. Let's, let's calm the political rhetoric and let's begin to understand that we have to learn to dwell in the Lord because the Lord is our shelter, not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. The Lord is our refuge, not us gaining control of a certain house or a certain Senate. We have to begin to understand those things. So in order to make every day count, we have to dwell in the Lord. Generations of individuals can find a dwelling place within the Lord, and that's what Moses is getting to. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations, and a matter of fact, it continues still to this day. See, human life is frail, it's brief compared to the everlasting God. And listen to what he says. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So what is he trying to communicate? That regardless of what goes on from everlasting to everlasting, you still sit on the throne. So I can number my days because I wanna number my days and learn to dwell in the Lord because that's what he's called me to do. We have to learn to dwell in the Lord. Matter of fact, as I was preparing this, here's what becomes crazy. If we spend 3.2 years of our life eating, 26.2 years of our life sleeping, 11.5 years of our life working, 8.75 years of our life watching TV, do you know what the average person spends reading the Bible? The average Christian believer spends reading the Bible. just under two years. Almost half of what we spend watching TV. Does that sound like dwelling in the Lord? <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like just being busy. Now listen, I understand, and I'm not, I'm not trying to play Mr. Legalistic guy up here, but I want you to think about that when you put it into perspective, when we talk about dwelling in the Lord. Why do we struggle with difficulties and, and, and insignificance? And why do we deal with depression and doubt? Why do we struggle with all of these types of things? And I believe wholeheartedly it stems to this point, that we continue to fill our minds with worldly things, worldly ideas, worldly thoughts. We take in things through TV and movies and things like that, and we think that if our life doesn't line up to what that life does, then we look in our life and we say it's a failure. Instead of learning to dwell in the Lord. I would rather put my trust in the one who holds my days and the world in his hands than try and go through this life without him. So learn to dwell in the Lord. That's what we have to begin to understand. And then listen I want you to understand this as well. Don't waste your life pursuing things that won't last, but rather dwell and serve the Lord with all your heart. But I want you to see this. In verses seven through 11, God exposes and punishes all sin. Remember what we talked about, that all of humanity and all of the world is continued to be exposed to and continues to suffer as a result of the sin in our lives. Our sins and our unrighteousness is laid before the Lord and he sees it all. Listen to what he says. Verse seven, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Guess what that means? You can hide it from everybody else here, <laughs> right? Like you don't know the deepest, darkest secrets that I deal with. You don't know the sins unless I come and expose them to you, unless I show them to you. But guess who does? Yeah, God does. 
God sees everything that you're struggling with, the, the, the ways, the insecurities, the doubts, the, the struggles, the sins that overwhelm and overcome you in your life. Guess who lays those right before him? Guess who sees them? Guess who's not blown away with them? Guess who's not shocked by him? Guess who's not appalled? He, well, he's appalled by him, but guess who's not overwhelmed by him? God. Why? Because he sees everything that's laid out. God exposes and punishes all sin. Now, here's the thing that we have to begin to understand because Moses is writing about this knowing what's going on in the life of the people of Israel. If you remember, there's a reason why they wandered for 40 years. Anybody remember what happened? Yeah, it's called disobedience. They didn't listen to God. They they didn't follow God's directions. As a result of not following God's directions, God's like, fine, you want to wander? Wander. Here's the thing that you and I have to begin to understand. God stands at the central point of everything. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And what he's doing is he's saying, hey, as long as you want to wander, you're going to wander. As long as you want to let sin rule, guess what you're going to do? You're going to wander. You're going to wander aimlessly. You're going to wander to different things. You're going to look for value and purpose and meaning and other things rather than me. You're going to look for, for, for an ideas and thoughts, and you're going to gain the wisdom of the world rather than gaining wisdom from me. And as a result, you're just going to wander. But I'm going to stand right here. And when you decide to stop your wandering and you decide to turn to me, I will be the one who gives you wisdom. Listen, we have to begin to understand that this all plays out in our days. Our days are numbered and they pass away. Listen, under the wrath of a loving God. People say, well, how how can wrath and love go hand in hand? And it's very simple. Is that the wrath is a result of our choosing to walk in disobedience. It's like, a child responding to a parent and the parent saying, you know what? You know, there's times where I have to discipline you. There are times where you get out of line and I got to put you back in line. And I don't do it because I'm a mean, gruff person. I do it because I love you. I do it because I care for you. And so as a result, because of my care and my love for you, you're going to experience my wrath. And my wrath is there's going to be punishment. There's a consequence for what you chose to do. And that consequence is something that you did to yourself and I'm just trying to teach you the lesson through it. A lot of times people think, well, love means that I should be able to do whatever I want. And what I've learned is love means I live within boundaries and parameters. I can tell you wholeheartedly this, that a majority of the people that we deal with when it comes to addictions and problems and things like that, do you wanna know why they usually tend to deal with addictions and problems? is because their parents looked at them and said, you got freedom to do whatever you want. And there's no consequences. I'm not saying all of them, but in some way, shape, or form, there was a breakdown in the idea of discipline and showing love by saying, listen, that doesn't matter. There's no consequences for what you got to do. I love you. And as a result, I'm not going to do anything. When neglect like that, is the lowest form of love because in reality, it's not love at all. You don't neglect what you love. When you love something, you care for it. And that's exactly what God does. I don't neglect you, I love you. And so I have to understand 
that God exposes and punishes all my sin. Listen, listen to Proverbs 16, verse nine. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In other words, in my heart, there are gonna be things that I'm gonna decide to do. There are things that I'm gonna work towards, but it says that the Lord is the one who determines his steps. So I have to understand that all of that plays out because God's wrath and judgment are great and that we have to live with wisdom rather than with stupidity or no wisdom, and we have to gain understanding through the Lord. Number three, I want you to see this. Don't waste your life by pursuing things that won't last, but rather dwell in and serve the Lord. So here's what I wanna say in number three, that you have to strive and I have to strive to make our days count. Guess what that means? I make things a priority. You and I have to strive to make our days count. I can't make your days count for you you have to choose to make your days count, right? One of the biggest struggles that we had when, when we dealt with Jason, and, and I, I use this cautiously, but I want you to understand this, is that Jason would come to me and go, Brian, I need you to take care of this for me. And I would say, no. It's not my job to live your life. It's my job to help you gain the wisdom you need so that you can make a right decision, so that you can be obedient to what God has called you to do. Listen to me, we are in a day and age right now that we have more and more people who don't understand biblical, the idea of biblical sense of finances. How do I live? How do I make wise decisions? How do I not go into debt? Not only that, we have more and more people who are looking at the world and saying, hey, look, I can do whatever the heck I want. They don't look at marriage in the same way. They don't look at the understanding and the points and the desires that the Lord has for their life. Instead, we fill our lives with all kinds of crazy thoughts from the world that says this is what brings value and purpose and meaning. And so we have to understand that we have to make our days count. I believe wholeheartedly this, that the church has never experienced a time like we're experiencing now. We are literally not just training people theologically. We have to train people to live because they were never taught things. They were never led by a parent, a father or mother who loved the Lord and was obedient to what God had called them to do. And my question is this, church, are you willing to number your days so that you're willing to invest in that? Because the reality is, and I'm just gonna speak even from a heart of what we see here in independence. The reality is we have more broken homes, more addiction, more drug problems, and more issues than we've ever seen before in the history of society. And it's only gonna get worse. We sat last night, there were 10 of us that went to the Restoration House Gala. And we sat last night and listened 80,000, was it 80,000? 80,000 people are trafficked in our area alone, Kansas City, sexually trafficked and sold. 80,000. Over 40 million people around the world would be trafficked in their lifetime. 40 million. If that doesn't make you sick, I don't know what does. I sat there and thought 80,000. 
That's two-thirds of the city of independence. It's absolutely astronomical what goes on, but I want you to understand that we have to strive to make our days count. We all have trying times, and listen to what he says in verse 12. Teach us. Remember this whole idea of dwelling in the Lord? Listen to what he says. Teach us to number our days. How do I learn to number my days? By dwelling in the Lord. Moses is saying this, teach us to number our days, and then here's why, so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Do you want to live a wise life? Begin to live a life that says, I know my days are numbered. You want to live a life that's full of of great expectation and great hope? You want to live life? Teach me to number my days, Lord. Because, listen, the Bible is very clear that God wants us to experience life and life more abundantly. But in order to do that, I have to teach myself. I have to learn and dwell in the Lord and learn that I need to number my days. So strive to make your days count. Matter of fact, I want to jump into this and just give you a few words of encouragement through that. Why not live each day like our last? Every point in time, I think we should live like every day is your last day. How would that affect your life? How would it change your outlook? How would you treat others? A wise person counts each day like it's their last. Matter of fact, James Dean, for those of you who are older would remember James Dean, but he says this or said this, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die today. Dream as if you'll live forever, but live as if you'll die today. Think about what could be, but yet think about what is. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in the book of life or in your book before one of them came to be. That helps me understand that I need to strive to make the most of everything, to make the most of every day, to make every day count. Why? Because I know that God has sovereignly directed my footsteps, that he is going to lead me, and that, listen, there is not an accident. You know, I can look back and go, man, if those guys would have just given my dad chemo when they took his kidney, because even though they said it was encapsulated, it obviously wasn't. If they would have just given him chemo, things would have been different. Really? Would they have? Or is that just my thought that says, God, you, did, you made a mistake? I have to strive to make my days count. And I want to live each and every day like it's last. Why? Because tomorrow is not promised. Matter of fact, James chapter 4 says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or to that city, we're going to spend a year there, we're going to carry on business and we're going to make money. Listen to what he says. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Listen, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your brain dead pastor forgot my misting bottle that I was going to bring because I want you to think about this. If you can just imagine it. If you've ever sprayed one of those little mister bottles, it disappears pretty darn quick, doesn't it? Spray some mist in there. A couple seconds later, what is it? It's gone. And the Bible's very clear. It says you're but a, va- a, a, a mist, a vapor. 
You peer for a little bit and then you're gone. So we have to begin to understand that we have to make every day count. Psalm 39, I'm gonna flip over there and read this because it's, it's four verses, but Psalm 39 verses four through eight says this, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days and let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my ears is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. Verse seven, but now the Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions and do not make me the scorn of fools. You want to be wise and not a fool? Count your days as numbered. And then number four, the fourth thing I want to give you, if, if we don't want to waste our life pursuing things and we want to dwell and serve the Lord with all our heart, then I think we have to understand this. And this is the biggest one. You have to grasp God's great compassion. Listen to what he says in verses 13. Relent, O Lord, and how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Listen to me. When I talk about grasping God's great compassion, you have to begin to understand that God's compassion is our only hope. This is Moses crying out and saying, we need a savior and God provides the, the answer in Jesus being the compassion and hope. As a matter of fact, that term or the word that we talk about when it talks about your unfailing love is what is called his covenant love. In other words, covenant love is a covenant promise that God always made with his people. The funny thing is, guess who always broke the covenant? Yeah, the people, not God. God didn't walk away and go, I'm gonna break this covenant because I don't like you guys. Every covenant promise that God creates or sets up, he is never broke. And so we look back and we go, hey, what are you talking about this unfailing love? And I want you to see this, that if God satisfies us with his loyal love, then we can rejoice all of our days. And here's how he satisfies us with his unfailing love. His unfailing love was the very thing that sent Jesus to the cross. His unfailing love is the very thing that sent Jesus here in the first place. His unfailing love is what led Jesus to pay the price with the sacrifice on the cross. His unfailing love is what rose Jesus again from the grave. His unfailing love is what brought Jesus from earth to ascend back to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. His unfailing love is the very thing that offers you and I life and life more abundant. And so what he's offering is a great compassion. And so if I learn to live my days in a numbered way, I grasp a hold of God's great compassion because his compassion is poured out for me. His compassion is given to me, not based upon anything I do, but solely based upon who he is and what he did for us. And so I can live my days numbered, knowing that God's great compassion is gonna lead me in the way everlasting, that regardless of whether I live or I die, guess what? I live. That to be asleep here on earth is to be alive with heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
That's the promise of God's great compassion, that we can experience it, that we can understand, that we can begin to just barely get a glimpse of and grasp a hold of it. And listen to me, here's what we have to understand, that we can talk about the wrath of God that everybody wants to seem to focus on, and that wrath is going to stay upon you until you grasp a hold of God's compassion. Because God's love overcomes the wrath that he bears out because of his perfection. How do I make my days count? I understand that I grasp a hold of God's great compassion with everything I got. And I dwell in the Lord with everything that I abide in him. If you listen to John chapter 15, it talks about abiding in him and bearing much fruit. That when I dwell in the shadow of the most high, when I sit in the shelter and I rest in him, guess what? I dwell in him and I bear good fruit. But apart from him, I can do nothing. I can live numbered days because I know without a doubt that with God's great compassion, I can experience life and life more abundantly. See, God shows his compassion and love for us in Jesus. And listen to what he says. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years have we have seen trouble. Listen, he does not promise that once you put your faith and trust in Jesus that there's never gonna be bumps or valleys or mountaintops and difficulties. What he does say is that I will be with you in them. I had a lot of people ask me, hey, how are you doing? Your dad passed away, it's been a year. And I'll be honest with you, There are times and there are moments, but for me, the mourning took place beforehand. You know how many times I cried with you guys? (laughs) Like I'd get up here and like literally be bawling before my dad passed away because that for me was the mourning. But I can tell you this, that in the midst of my dad passing away, scriptures like this, scriptures like Psalm 39, thinking about those things are the very things that brought me comfort. Why? Because I want to live my days numbered. That if I die tomorrow, fine, I die tomorrow. To be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord. Is that going to cause sorrow in my kids' hearts and my wife's heart and maybe your heart? I don't know. But I can tell you one thing, I'm not going to be sorry. I can guarantee you my dad wasn't sorry. And so I can live each and every day numbered. Why? Because my time is limited. And I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to fight for the godly things and the moral things and the things that he has called us to. I want to stand on the truth of his word. I'm going to be obedient to what Jesus says to be obedient to. And I'm not going to chase after the things that I don't need to chase after. But I want to chase after him. And I want to dwell in the shadow of the Lord Almighty. When God rebukes us, listen to me, when God rebukes us for our sins, we feel frail, we feel weak. But when we are blessed by God's favor, we feel worthwhile. We share in the work of the everlasting God. While rebuke hurts, the great thing is that rebuke can lead to blessing because it's the rebuke that calls out my sin, but it's the blessing that shows that God paid for it. So we can live numbered. Every day, we can number our days. And count them. And listen to what he says, and I want to wrap up with this. Verse 16. 
Remember, if, as we number our days, we gain a heart of wisdom. We understand that God's unfailing love and compassion come through Jesus. And then verse 16, may your deeds, in other words, the works of the Lord, be shown to your servants. In other words, to ourselves in gaining a heart of wisdom that he shows us to his servants and, listen, your splendor to their children. You want to see a change in the lives of your kids? Let them see the work of God in your life. Let him see how God changes you and challenges you. Let him see how getting a grasp on God's compassion and, and just accepting it and taking hold of it changes your heart and who you are. You know, we just sang a song not too long ago about a rising, a new generation rising up. And you know what's funny is every generation, that's in reality the truth. That there's another new generation that's gonna come up. And all I can tell you is I want to make sure that my kids and your kids and the kids who attend here at Three Trails don't look back and go, that was a waste of time. But they look back and they go, man, God's a great God. God provided, God gave, God blessed. God loves me with an unfailing love, with great compassion. And listen, that's what we want for you. That's what we want for your kids. That's what we want for independence. That's what we want for our neighbors. That's what we want for the nations. And when we live our days numbered, we stop living for ourselves and we start looking and going, God, how do I live for you? Is that your heart cry? Is that your desire? And if it is, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have the praise team come up and we're gonna close with this, all right? I'm gonna have the offering come. And while the praise team comes, we're gonna do offering right now. So the, the guys are gonna go grab the offering. But I wanna ask you to do this. I wanna ask you as, as couples, as individuals, as you feel led to come up here and to pray about this. God, let me live a life that is numbered that I will pray for the lost people around me. I will pray for my neighbors. I will reach out to the, the, those in my family, those who are far from God, those who are my neighbors, those who are coworkers, and I will pray for them and I will stand on the truth of your word. Will you join me up here and would you pray? That's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As soon as the offering is passed, I'm gonna ask you to do that. That where you're at, if you can't physically come up here, that's fine. I'm gonna ask you to pray where you're at. But we're gonna have them sing. As soon as offering's done, I'm gonna pray. Offering's gonna be passed and then we're gonna close with this. Father, we pray with great expectation. God, knowing that you are the God from everlasting to everlasting. And God, I pray that you would teach us, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom, so that we can live in obedience to what you've called us to do. God, may we be a church that that is our heart cry, that obedience is the very thing we call for. God, give us that wisdom, grant us that wisdom because we are being taught by you. God, may we number our days because we know our days are already limited. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna